Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 130 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rose Deanna and she, they pronouns, a community engagement manager at MCP. And I am joined by Whitney Moore, fifth and sixth grade math and science special education teacher and Andrea Kowalski, high school English teacher. Welcome Whitney and Kowalski. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Um, It's so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. So before we get started, what is bringing you both joy this week? And Whitney, we can start with you. What's bringing me joy? Um, Our school is actually putting on a production of Shrek the Musical. And um, it's a K to 12th grade production. And the students are really, really excited about it. They got to find out their their roles this week. So that was really exciting to see them excited. That sounds like a blast. Kowalski, what about you? I love that you call me Kowalski. Thank you. I will tell you this. Whitney brings me joy because she found me a computer and a headset with a microphone. Oh, that is so beautiful and right on point as well. <laughs> Um, and so for our listeners, um, Whitney and Kowalski, we're scrambling to find the headphone and the laptop to get to this recording. So the joys of teaching and stress and running around and trying to do all the things, right? <laughs> yes, all the things. <laughs> Um, Well, again, thank you so much for saying yes to this podcast. So tell us more about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. Whitney, we'll start with you and then Kowalski. Um, So this is my 12th year of teaching and this is my third year working with diverse learners. And at the end of like every year, I just kind of reflect how can I do things better? What is something I can implement next year that's going to, you know, just improve my teaching practice? So at the end of last year, our vice principal kind of brought up the Modern Classroom Project to us. And I was like, that's it. That's something new. That's something that I could learn about that could potentially elevate, you know, my students and my teaching practices. So that's kind of how I learned about it through our vice principal bringing it to us as like an option that we can do over the summer. I love it when admin are the ones who introduces something and then the teachers are like, oh my gosh, yes, that sounds amazing. So Kowalski, your turn. All right. Well, I've been in the teaching game a little bit longer. This is my 33rd year being an educator and I I'm a lifelong learner, and so it was pretty easy when our vice principal said, hey, you want to take some classes and learn some new things, tricks for your classroom, and ways to engage better with your students, and I said, of course I do, because I love to take classes, and I signed up as well. Happy that I did. That is like music to my ears. I think I have to be, um, I have to agree with you. I, I love learning, so whenever admin puts something in front of me, I'm like, done. Yes, I love to do it. I want to learn more about it. So this is really quite exciting that you learned it from your admin. So, um, okay, well, tell us a little bit more about your school, Whitney. Um, So our school is located in Chicago, Illinois. It's in the Rogers Park neighborhood, which is far north um, in the city. 
our school has changed a lot over the years. This is my ninth year here at this school, and uh, our demographic now is, has shifted a lot. So it's about 48% black, 47% uh, Hispanic. Then we have about 3% white, 1% of students are Asian, and 1% of students are two or more races. When I first started teaching here, it was more like 67%, 70% Hispanic. Uh, so it's, it's definitely shifted a lot over the course of the last decade. Oh, our technology, every student has a one-on-one. -on -one. They have a Chromebook that they are, you know, they can use throughout the day. And nice. And would you say that, you know, when the pandemic hit, your students were pretty knowledgeable of how to use their devices? So prior to the pandemic, they're... They were able to use technology here at school. Each student did not have their own individual device, um, but we did have a technology class for many years here. So students, you know, even our younger students were able to log into computers pretty successfully. Uh, I think they did have those skills. And then kids are just kids. They're just, they're just way more tech savvy than adults are nowadays. So they were able to kind of jump onto the virtual learning pretty quickly, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, kids are amazing. I know that I, when I was in the classroom, they were constantly teaching me all the things. Or if there was like something I wanted to try out in our class, I would just say like, hey, there's this new cool thing. Take 10 minutes to figure out what all it can do. And my students all figured it out for me. So <laughs> that they're so useful that way. So um, let's shift a little bit about, um, you know, from talking about students to leading a PLC for your school. So Kowalski, what motivated you to lead a PLC for your school? Motivation. I, I'm a big believer that motivation comes from within. And I often like to hear myself talk. <laughs> and I thought, hey, this is a great way to work with my my fellow teachers and say, hey, listen, this thing is new and it's cool. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in the education business, how long you've been a teacher, you will get something out of it. And we were told, actually, when we signed up to take the classes, that we would be doing it. So I knew going in that I was going to have to teach the teachers, which is sometimes daunting because I think as a group, sometimes teachers are your hardest audience, way, way more demanding and, and sometimes can't sit as still as my high school students. <laughs> I completely agree with you um, on that. I know definitely when I shifted again from classroom teacher to instructional coach, um, educators are really, really hard audience. <laughs> and I would have to say as an educator, I was also hard audience because I'd be like questioning everything and anything that's being thrown at me. So I completely understand that. Um, okay, well, so how did you plan out the PLC for the school year? So you already kind of knew like, okay, cool. I'm going to have to teach educators on how to do this, you know, blended learning, self-paced, as well as mastery-based learning. And so you and Whitney um, kind of started collaborating from my understanding and creating a PLC for the school year. So you've led a couple already. Um, so how did you plan this out? How did you like kind of scaffold it so that educators aren't What's the word like overwhelmed? Because, you know, we are overwhelmed out here. Um, and so how did you make sure that it was tiny bite size, that they were something it was going to be something that they can utilize right away without a lot of overwhelm? Um, so in the beginning, we knew that we would have to lead for um, PDs on Modern Classroom Project. So we just wanted to kind of divide. We wanted to 
to implement a PLC that was as close to what we went through during our summer mentorship. So we wanted to kind of divide it up into the four sections, the four major sections, and kind of allow teachers to decide uh, what section did they need to know you know, the most information on and kind of go from there. So the very first uh, PD that we led, we wanted to get them excited. So that was the PD where we just kind of gave them a brief description of all the sections of the Modern Classrooms Project. We created a video of ourselves kind of talking about why we decided to do it and how we're using it in our classrooms. So one of the major uh, sections of it is are the instructional videos. So we wanted to kind of lead uh, our PD by showing them an instructional video kind of of us speaking of our personal experiences with the Modern Classrooms Project. And then the, the other three PLCs that we'll have, we wanted to kind of allow teachers to just choose their own adventure, basically choose a section of the the strategies that they, you know, needed the most work or what they felt like they can implement first, perhaps. So we kind of divided it up that way. Um, one section is uh, instructional videos. Then another section is uh, trackers, data tracking. We also have another one about uh, learning management systems. And then our fourth one is on... What's the fourth one on, Andrea? I think the fourth one is a summary of what you're supposed to do with all of this information because we were going to let them pick their own adventure and they only got to do that twice. And then the last one we're going to do is going to be how you put all of this stuff together. So put the put the instructional video together with your tracker to get together with your learning management plan and assessments. And this is how it all works. And I think the best part, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, I think the best part of modern classroom project is that you don't have to use all of the parts at the same time in the same class because high school teachers have a totally different kind of schedule than grade school teachers. And I know that I don't use this in, in every one of my classes. We sort of did it as a springboard. We use it in one class or two classes because I have two sections of it. And then as we move forward, we'll be implementing it more and more in the majority of our classes. I guess I have a follow-up question as well. Um, how did you two find each other? Because I see that Whitney is fifth and sixth and math and science, and then Kowalski, your high school English. So how did you come across each other? Because we work in the same building, and we should be friends with our colleagues. And Whitney is totally in charge of all of the the incentives for the grade school, and I do incentives for the high school, and I am the keeper of our Acero Cruise Dragon, and she often likes to use our dragon at her events in the grade school, and we just work well together. It was fun. Oh, I love that so much. Did you two go through the mentorship together? We took it separately, but we both did it during the summer. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you, you both already knew each other and then you realized that you both took this mentorship and you're like, okay, we're going to both lead this PLC together. Yes. So before the year ended, I believe the vice principal made us aware of the other teachers who had also decided to take the summer mentorship program. So we knew who was taking it and um, we knew we would be a team. And I expected to see them throughout the mentorship program, but I didn't. But it was actually really nice to be able to work with teachers from other schools, from other uh, states. It was really nice to to see how they were implementing it and um, just to get insight from teachers that live in different places. 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I really love that you two were able to kind of mirror the mentorship program into something that you can bring back to your school. How long were these PLCs? So our PDs are um, about 45 minutes each. Nice. I don't know why I was expecting you to say 60 minutes, but 45 minutes for some reason was just like a a sweet spot for me. Um, and I love that you also provided options for your educators, for your colleagues to figure out which ones they were really more curious about or, uh, you know, uh, need assistance. And so I, I, I love that you were able to create those different um, avenues for your educators. And so tell us how it's going so far. Like, what are your colleagues' reactions to your PLC, to the sessions that you're leading? And and also, I mean, I know I've heard that admin has been pretty supportive um, with this journey. And so how have how has your admin continued to support you in this? I want to say that we really do have a phenomenal group of administrators that we work with and work together side by side. Sometimes I even feel as though they're they're not our boss. They're definitely our colleagues, which is, is, is very different. Like I said, I've been in education for 33 years, and this is probably the sweet spot that I've hit for good administration. But they've been 100% supportive, and they they give us time to work on things and they set up places for us to meet and they make it really easy so that we have anything that we need if we actually need something. Plus, I would say that at the beginning, some of our colleagues were thinking, oh my gosh, is this required? Do we have to do this? We don't, we don't want to be forced to do it. And I believe we did a survey the first and the, after the first and the second time of how many of our colleagues would be interested. And at first it was maybe a handful. And I think it is now in the double digits, which to me is amazing to have educator buy-in because they're not being forced to do it. Obviously there's no way to say you have to do this, but we want it because we want them to do it because it will be beneficial to them. It's not as though it's just this fly-by-night way to teach in a classroom. It literally is the future of our classroom. Students need to become more independent. They need to have ownership of what is going on in the classroom. And teachers really need to be there as just this sounding board or this wealth of information. And students should be the ones saying, wait, I get this, but can I do it this way? Oh, wait, I need to help my friend because my friend doesn't really understand. Is that okay? And I think that freedom in the classroom is just something that is, it models more what is going on in the collegiate way. And it's great for them to learn it so young. And then they just have it build every year as they move up through grade school and into the high school. Yeah, I I love that. I love hearing that, you know, it just kind of start trickling in and now double digits and so expanding and all of that. That's really great. Whitney, did you want to add anything? So, yeah, just like Kowalski said, we have more staff now that are interested in it. Uh, The more that they see, because every time we lead a PLC, we're bringing our own, you know, data from our classrooms or bringing examples from what we're actually using. So I think once they see it from us, they're like, oh, I can do that too. Or I already do something very similar to that. You know, I can implement it in this way. So after showing them a little bit more, I think each time they see a little bit more, they're more willing to try it and they're more interested in it. So definitely getting a lot more buy-in from teachers. And I think one thing, especially I work with fifth and sixth grade, we have a lot of students that have um, 
they have a lot of absences and sometimes it's so difficult when a student comes back to school after they've missed so much the students feel i work with diverse learners so when a diverse learner misses a day sometimes it could be frustrating you know they come back and they feel lost and they already feel slightly behind so coming back you know and missing an additional day i have a student that gets very frustrated when he misses school so having a system where kids can just go and you know click on an instructional video and they can catch up on their own, teachers see more value in that. because like, we have students that could use something like that because a teacher can always go back to lessons because the students missed it. So they just, I think they're now just seeing how valuable the system can be and how they can uh, implement it, you know, streamlessly into their lessons, into their curriculum that they're already using. Yeah, and I, I really like that you brought that in too because I know that as an educator, I was also really frustrated with having to um, get our students caught up, right? Because I just didn't have that time. Like I didn't have the time to teach this new lesson plus also reteach a lesson that they'd missed. And so creating instructional videos really allowed for me to have even more time that I could spend intentionally with that student who has been out while not, you know, not neglecting the rest of my my class. And so I really like that you pointed that out. Thank you so much for that. Um, okay. And then would you say that, you know, when we're, t- when we're thinking about this model and we're spreading the, the model and really like sharing our data and how we use it in our classroom, do you think that it's a lot more meaningful um, and teachers get more bought in when other teachers are doing it? Or would you say that it would be about the same if admin was also doing the same thing as far as introducing this model? I think that, well, with our colleagues, when they see, you know, other staff actually doing it, I mean, it's one thing to hear something from admin because, I mean, in a sense, admin, they're our bosses. So they're like, oh, the boss is telling us to do this. But when they're seeing it from their friend, their coworker friend, like, hey, I'm using this and it's really working, I think teachers are more likely to say, oh, well, let me try it too. Let's see how it works for my students. Because, I mean, admin, of course, supports us in many ways, but they're not actually in the classroom with the students teaching the students. So to hear from someone that a lot of our classes are uh, departmentalized, which means one teacher sees both classes or both groups of students. So if one teacher in that grade band is using it and the other one's like, hey, I'm using it in this way for our students and it's really working, like, oh, well, maybe I'll implement it too with these subjects for our students. So I think coming from teachers is a little more helpful from than just hearing it from admin. Yeah, most definitely. Kowalski, did you want to add anything in or did Whitney say everything? I'm just I'm just throwing in a I concur. <laughs> no, that makes that makes sense. <laughs> um okay, so listeners, we're gonna take a quick break for an announcement and when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about Whitney's and Kowalski's experiences and expertise. If you're ready to build a modern classroom, we have scholarships for you. We're offering a special invite-only session for up to 200 educators in our April 3rd to May 7th session. This opportunity includes fully funded tuition to our virtual mentorship program, which gives you one-on-one support as you create materials for your modern classroom. To apply, visit www.modernclassrooms.org slash April podcast by March 20th. All right. And we're back with Whitney and Kowalski. So um, what has been the impact of your PLC so far on your school? 
So oftentimes, I feel as a teacher, we, we have PD every Wednesday, and some PDs we leave, and I might hear from someone saying jokingly, hey, that could have been said in an email. Did we really have to go through a, a PD for that information? So I think uh, just after our PLCs and they are being able to interact and, and see the data that we're, we have and everything that we're using, it, they see it in real time. I think it's just more beneficial. They're, they're excited about the, P, the, we call them professional developments, but the PLC, they're a little excited about it because it's actually something that's useful to them that they can actually use right now and implement in their classrooms to help their students now, not next year, not two years from now, um, so I think it's had a positive impact on our teachers. We are now seeing um, more excitement after our professional developments. It's not like they're not upset. They're excited, I feel. <laughs> and usually I have teachers come and talk to me afterwards, and they're like, hey, so how did you do it? How did it go for you over the summer? They just want to, you know, more information about it. And they seem really excited to learn and to implement and to try it out. Yeah, that's always so exciting to be able to have a thought partner um, and also to be given the space to really explore and figure out what strategies to implement in the, in the classroom like the next day. So I know I was definitely that educator who would say, oh, that could have been an email or like, what did we learn there again? I, I forget. <laughs> um, and I've been in professional development sessions too, where, you know, it's just a lot of being talked at as opposed to like, let's do these things, right? Like, hey, you're, you're introducing this thing to me, but now like, give me time to actually explore and make it work for my class. So that's really exciting um, that the, the shift um, from those, you know, email comments to like, no, this is actually quite exciting or like, what do you do differently? So I really love that, that um, authentic collaboration that, or the organic collaboration that's happening within your, your educators in your school. Um, and so if you could redo the PLC from the beginning, what would you improve? Kowalski, we can start with you. It's really difficult to mess with perfection. I don't know if you've seen any of Whitney's videos, but she's ridiculous. I would, I really, I've got to tell you, we work very well together and we have two other colleagues that chickened out and didn't necessarily want to do the podcast, but they did, they went through the summer program with us and they are doing the professional developments or the PLCs with us. And we've had time to collaborate. We're sitting in the library right now and we come to the library. We're all on different floors in the building, which is sort of cool. And we get to meet together. And when we filmed our first video to show them on our kickoff PD. It was super cute. I wanted to jump out from behind the bookcases because I'm sort of a ham. I don't know if you could tell that by my voice, but <laughs> I thought it was super fun. And someone else wanted to sit down and someone wanted to walk. And then we recorded somebody in their classroom and it was great. I don't know if we'd actually have to do a redo because we we brought to the attention of our our educators to our teachers that this is something that you can do too and we're going to model it for you rather than again just sending a link or giving them a piece of paper we actually did it for them and then when we broke into the groups for our second PD they actually got to do it there and then we got to say oh see you can do it this way or you can do it that way I was in charge of the group that actually made videos and every teacher that came to that walked out with a video which was fabulous. Oh, that is amazing. And also, can we have a link to that video that you were talking about with Whitney's video? 
Of course you can. I'm sure she will send it to you. She is super organized. <laughs> it's really cute. I do like that video. That's that's really, really, really cool. And that's another thing, too, that I always remind our educators is that, you know, if you're going to give a task to students, make sure that you do it so that you know exactly what the misconceptions are. And also, like, when you have an exemplar and a model that you can show off with your students, then they know for a fact, like, oh, okay, like, Miss D knows what we're doing and Miss D did this and this is how she did it. And so I think that's just such a, it's it's a beautiful part of the journey of learning and teaching, right? And so I really love that you had addressed Kowalski that like, you know what, we we did it. We're not just, you know, we're not just giving them a link. We're not just giving them a task, but we also did it. And then they could see how we did it. Um, okay. So we often get questions from educators on how to start leading a PLC or professional development for their own school. What are one to three tips that you would provide for educators who plan to or want to start a PLC? All right. Well, I thought about this because this is the question that only has my initial in the parentheses. <laughs> I was a little nervous about that. I think the first thing you have to be is organized. You have to know what it is that you want the teachers to know. You have to have a plan. So you have to be organized in some way, whether you're organized digitally or if you have it on paper or if you just know these are the things that I have to include and you put it on cue cards, you have to be organized. I think another thing you need to be is you have to be open-minded and meaning, I don't, I don't mean that other teachers are closed-minded, but you have to also think about this has got to be fun in some way. It has to be fun and engaging and it has to appeal to our uh, ability to be able to use it in the classroom. We don't want to come off as we're so pompous. We know how to do this. And we also don't want to come off as it's so easy. Why would I even bother? You have to find this great balance. So you have to use your the intelligence that you have and your ability to sell it. Because basically what you're doing is you're selling this new way of teaching that, that really isn't hasn't always been the way. The pandemic has really done many things to to teaching and education in general, and, and you need to have that open-mindedness. And I think the third most important thing is you have to realize that you might make a mistake and you have to learn from that mistake and either be able to quickly rebound, have plan B, and show the people that you're wanting to get this information that it's okay to make a mistake. My first video was horrible. And even though my mentor said, it was great, you did such a good job. I know she was just telling me that because she didn't want me to cry and drop out of the program. But I, like I said, I teach speech. I love to talk, but I don't necessarily like to be recorded. And I think that human component when you do anything like this is super important. So be organized, be open-minded, and realize that it's not all going to go perfect and you can recover from it. Those are my three. Oh, I love that. And you wrapped it up at the end too. Um, I also just really like that you said, just have fun with it, right? Like look at your audience, see what your educators in the school are really like looking for solutions or even just like struggling with and then um, kind of accommodating to those needs, right? And not just like coming in there, like you said, being pompous or saying like, this is so easy because it's clearly not. Um, and also just a nice reminder that we definitely want to embrace all of our mistakes because that's how we learn, right? Um, and if we don't make mistakes, then there's no growth and then that's kind of stagnant and boring. So thank you for all of that, Kowalski. That's actually really, really great. And so 
what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have? This could be for your grade, for your class, for the school. It can be anything really that pops up for you. And we'll start with you, Kowalski. All right. What do I what do I hope to see in the future? I would really love to see teachers let go of some of the control they have in the classroom. Again, I will tell you, I've been an educator for 33 years and I like to have control of my classroom, but I realize that if I'm able to allow a student to take that lead, that makes me even more proud of what they've done. And that's super important. And, and it's been, it's been a learning curve because there have been times when I've said, no, I'm the teacher. I have to teach them. They have to learn it for me. And I think the coolest thing that happens, especially using this with peer, with, with peer helping and they sit next to each other and someone finishes and they do really well on the must do and they do really well on the aspire to do and then they help the students who can barely get through the can do just it brings tear to my eyes I, I literally get emotional because it's so cool to see happen especially in a high school classroom yeah that I mean that itself is just the magic that happens when we relinquish control in any and every aspect of our lives is actually just it's beautiful, beautiful. What about you, Whitney? Um, I would like to see more um, classroom observations. Uh, some of the teachers, like I said, we're doing it. We have it in place, and a lot of teachers are interested, but they might, you know, feel like, oh, this is so such a daunting task. It's overwhelming. But if they come to observe our classrooms and kind of see it in place, classroom observations were things that we did many years ago, pre-pandemic. Uh, I just want to see more of that again, seeing it in you know, real time. And, and I want teachers to feel like this is a learning process. It's not someone coming into your room to evaluate you. It's you sharing what you're doing with others. And we're all learning from one another. I would love to see that happening uh, in our classrooms. Yes. Observations are also very powerful. I think that sometimes as educators, we find it to be really lonely in those four walls, right? And so when you step out and witness some of the, the cool things that your colleagues are doing, it, it gives you a little bit more of a spark and the motivation and the drive to be like, oh, I want to do that because that's working. And I, I bet I can make some tweaks to make it work for me as well. So thank you for bringing that in because I do think classroom observations are really important. And it's also very intentional, right? I know that as educators, we have a lot to do in our schedule. So finding that like 15 minutes to go and observe a teacher is really difficult and we'll definitely need some support. So hopefully that happens for you all because I know how important it is to observe one another and feel that that magic and that presence that's happening in the classroom. And so one last question, how can our listeners connect with you? We'll start with you, Whitney, and then Kowalski. Um, they can connect with me via email at wmore at aceroschools.org. Beautiful. And Kowalski, what about you? I'm good with email as well. And my email is akowalski at aceroschools.org. And Kowalski is K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I, just like the penguin in Madagascar. I love that reference so much. Um, well, thank you so much for being in this space with me and sharing your expertise and your experiences and just your joy and passion when it comes to implementing the Modern Classrooms Project, as well as like spreading the joy in your school. So listeners, remember, you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org and you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast at modernclassrooms.org slash 130. We'll have this episode's transcript uploaded by Friday, so be sure to check back 
back in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Thank you.